listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. It's, it's hard to talk about peacemaking as our series requires in such a moment. It's hard to talk about the sermon topic today when there's so many emotions, when there's so much anger and frustration, and just being real, right? We, we, we've all experienced it, whether it's the events that have taken place around our nation, and in particular in California, or whether it's personal hurt and tor- turmoil in your life, it's, it's not easy to, to seek peace to make peace, to be a peacemaker, it's not easy. Today, we're actually supposed to talk about how to make peace when it doesn't want to be received. How to make peace with those that don't want it, those that don't want mercy, those that don't want to be forgiven. That's hard. I mean, I'm just being honest. It's really hard to think about praying for the, the, the person that committed the shooting, praying for his family, right? Thinking about the atrocities that, fought, that happened around the world. Just thinking about, you know, an ISIS member that decapitates a Christian and praying for that person so that he would experience the forgiveness that I've experienced. That's hard. It's really hard. But that's what being a peacemaker, a Christ-like peacemaker is all about. So we're going to talk about it and we're going to pray about it because it's not an easy task. We are in week four of the Peacemaker series. My name is Ricardo Cordero. I'm a math professor at California Baptist University. And as I often say, don't worry, no math today. You may have peace there. And if you recall, if you were here for our very first sermon of the series, week one, we said that the foundation of this series is in Matthew 5, verse 9. And it still is today, ever so today. Matthew 5, verse 9, in the midst of the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I'm just going to give you a quick reminder of what we said that Sunday we said that the peacemaker in that verse, I don't know if it's on, actually it is on the screen, good. The peacemaker on that verse, we said, is a God-like peacemaker. And so that's why the expression sons of God is mentioned there. We clarified that Sunday that this isn't implying that we become sons of God by peacemaking. That's not what this passage describes. And again, this is just a small recap. But what we did through careful studying of scripture was to see that, in fact, this was describing Christ-like peacemakers, people who have experienced the, the vertical reconciliation with God and thus extend horizontal reconciliation. And the reason that they are called sons of God in particular, even though there is a spiritual adoption element there, the reason they are called sons of God is because they have the qualities of the Father. They have the peace-making qualities of the Father. You make peace like 
God does. So it's, just, it's not just saying, yes, because you make peace like God, um, or because you've been saved, you are a son of God, but rather because you emulate the peacemaking of God, you have your father's qualities. Much like people back home say that I am my father's son, and many of you have heard that, or you're your uh, mother's daughter, or your father's daughter. You've heard these things before. They're trying to say that to you are attributed qualities that belong to your parents. You've received them from your parents. And so that's what this passage was all about. And we set out that Sunday to think about what it means to be a Christ-like peacemaker, a God-like peacemaker, which is counter-cultural. And it's counter our sinful nature. We don't want to forgive when it hurts us deeply. That's why it's hard to be a Christ-like peacemaker. It's especially hard when people don't want to receive the peace. See, sometimes we come to the terms with the fact that, yes, I want to make peace with this person. They don't deserve to be forgiven, but I will forgive them. But wait, they don't want to be forgiven. They don't want peace. And that drives this inner turmoil in us because we want to forgive them for something they don't want to be forgiven. We want to give them peace when they don't want to receive peace. The consequence of that, we're left with a lack of peace. So today what we're going to talk about is how to deal with when that peace isn't received. On week two, Pastor Jason taught us some techniques on how to resolve conflict with others within the church. And then last week, I wasn't here, but I heard the podcast. Brian and Jody did an amazing job sharing strategies for resolving conflict within marriage or even uh, uh, with relationships. Uh, he also celebrated the, the Red Sox winning. I'm, I, yeah, that's enough of that. I'm still sore. Still hurts. You cut me deep, Brian. And Pastor Jason, in week two in particular, mentioned a verse in Romans twelve eighteen. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Because as he mentioned on that second Sunday, people sometimes don't want to receive peace. So what happens when our peacemaking efforts are not reciprocated? How do we deal with the emotions How do we deal with our own inner peace or lack thereof? Because people don't want to receive this. They don't want to receive the grace. They don't want to build bridges. They want to burn bridges. How do we deal with it? Well, like I said, it starts where we began, Matthew 5, 9. In order for us to know how to deal with those that don't want to be reconciled and don't want to receive peace, we must see how God deals with that. How does God approach those that don't want to receive or are initially hesitant? Because blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, meaning we are to make peace even when they don't want to receive it, and we will do it in the way the the Godfather does. In the way that God the Father does, we shall do this. In the way that Christ established peace between us and the Father, we shall do this. So number one today, as God-like peacemakers, we patiently love and pray for those we would call our enemies. As God-like peacemakers, we patiently love and pray for those we would call our enemies. And for this, we look 
at Luke 6, verses 27 and 36. And this is perfect, by the way, because this part of Luke is precisely on the heels of the Beatitudes. It's, in fact, in the midst of the Beatitudes, but Luke's account of it. It says in verse 27 of Luke chapter 6, Jesus speaking, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and this one's really hard, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Countercultural. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so for them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive back, or excuse me, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Pause right there and notice in verse 35, the same connection of Matthew 5, 9 is present. You will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Again, you are sons of God because you emulate God's peacemaking. This is still evident in this very passage. That's why you will be called sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. I will be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. This is hard. But that's what being called a son of the Most High or a daughter of the Most High is. It is to be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. It is not to extend peace only when they want it. It is not to extend good only when they want it. It is not to extend forgiveness only when they want it. That's hard. But a son of the Most High, a daughter of the Most High, a child of the Most High is kind to the ungrateful and the evil just like God is. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. This is hard. But we have to understand the type of love and and, and, and grace that God has to us, as we said on week one, I am unable to extend horizontal reconciliation if I don't appreciate that I've been forgiven the same way. We have this, this really bad uh, measurement device in our life where we measure our actions versus the actions of others. And we're like, well, it's okay for God to forgive me, but not for God to forgive that. God doesn't measure things that way because his infinite perfection makes our sins infinitely great. To choose to not go God's way is a sin regardless of how we decide to qualify that sin. To to choose other than God and, and, and away from his ways is just as much as a sin as the evil that we measure. Sure, different sins have different consequences, different hurt, different pain, different suffering. 
but they all are an affront to God, to the infinitely perfect, unapproachable in his holiness, God. And so because we've been, been made perfect by Jesus, because we've received something we didn't deserve, now we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, despite my insufficiencies, So then I should want to extend that and be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Notice here, when Jesus says this, he's not talking about repentant people that we should be kind kind towards. He's talking about the fact that God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Unrepentant people. So we must have patience. We must be like God who, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it tells us that God, the Lord, is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. If we are to be God-like peacemakers, then we are to be as patient, wanting them to come to repentance, praying for them, It's hard, especially when there's deep hurt in our lives by those people. Heck, when they choose to not be repentant, it hurts us more. Because we see that they have no sense of accountability for their actions. It means they are okay with the damage they did to us. That hurts. But Jesus says, extend the reconciliation that you've received and be patient. Be patient like God was patient with Paul, formerly called Saul, who approved of the killings of Christians in the church. It would have been weird to suggest to the church to pray for Paul's conversion, but he did. And so we seek to be the kind of peacemaker that is countercultural and counterintuitive even to us and to our emotional hurt. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As I kept thinking about this, I was reminded, this is going to sound weird because I don't even listen to this type of music. <laughs> I was reminded of Kesha and her single praying. I know, all right, I'm not, if you know me, I listen to rock and to metal and a lot of weird rock stuff. But Kesha, in her song Praying, says that the song is about coming to feel empathy for someone else, even if they hurt you or scare you. She said, it's a song about learning to be proud of the person you are, even during low moments when you feel alone. And it's also, here's the kicker, about hoping everyone, even someone who hurts you, can heal. I'm going to repeat that because... This was said by someone who I don't even know is a Christian or not. I don't know. This is the, the, see, we can see gems of the truth, of the biblical truth, even present in the world. Kesha says, again, the song is about hoping everyone, even someone who hurt you, can heal. This is the fascinating part. Since 2013, Kesha has been in legal dispute with Dr. Luke, uh, where in a series of lawsuits known collectively as Kesha versus Dr. Luke, there has been exchange between the two parties. The former accused the producer of physically, emotionally, and sexually abusing her during their 10-year working relationship. 
And here it is. However, Dr. Luke has repeatedly denied these allegations amid the ongoing conflict. The hurt, the pain that she must be experiencing, our culture would teach us, then don't forgive him. Don't pray for Dr. Luke. Don't pray for this person who's committed this atrocities towards you. No, he doesn't deserve it. In fact, pray that he go to hell. That's what our culture would teach us. But Kesha sings, because you brought the flames and you put me through hell, I had to learn how to fight for myself and we both know all the truth I could tell. I hope you're somewhere praying. I hope your soul is changing. I hope you find your peace falling on your knees and praying. Sometimes I pray for you at night. Someday maybe you'll see the light. That is the patient type of peacemaking that God is calling us to. Not in the Bible. This isn't from the Bible. This is an artist. But she's showing us through her brokenness what Jesus is talking about. Pray for your abusers. Yeah, pray for them. Hope that someday they'll see the light. Pray for them at night. This is hard because, again, this is such an emotional experience for you. I have people close in my life that have been sexually abused. I have people in my life that don't want to receive peace currently, even when they don't deserve peace. We've all been there. In some way, this type of situation has affected us. Hoping the other party will come to repentance, but they just won't. Do we resent or do we seek to be Christ-like peacemakers? Patient, kind to the ungrateful and evil. Kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Praying for your abusers, praying for those you would call enemies. How do we deal with this emotion? How do we, how do we come to terms with the very hurt that was real and is still persistent in our lives? How do we come to terms with it? It can't be done naturally. It can only come supernaturally. It can only come by a work of God, a miraculous work of God. When our peacemaking efforts are not accepted, we continue to pray for others so that we can receive inward peace. When our peacemaking efforts are not accepted, we continue to pray for others so that we, actually the bullet point doesn't say it on the screen, but I want to make that clarification, so that we receive inward peace by falling on our knees. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave, you, leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you, excuse me, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Two chapters later in verse 33 in John 16, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus is giving us not circumstantial peace. He's providing for us a shalom Irene peace, a peace that is despite my circumstance, despite what that person did to me, despite my current state of affairs, despite being unable to pay bills, despite being whatever it is, fill in the blank of your circumstance. Jesus gives us a peace that surpasses 
all understanding. That's the type of peace that Jesus offers in these verses. See, in the, the word peace in this passage is the Greek equivalent, or excuse me, the Greek word irene, which is the equivalent of the Hebrew shalom. All right, that's as academic as that got. We're gonna now explain what that was. It means basically uh, an abs- it's, it's a state of well-being. It is a blessing, a notion of positive blessing, especially in terms of a right relationship with God. And if I am right with God, everything else matters not as much. Everything else pales in comparison to the, to the current state of affairs that I have vertically. Or, uh, yes, vertically. That is the type of peace, the type of shalom, the type of irene peace that we want. A peace that surpasses my circumstances and my understanding. D.A. Carson says that this peace that Jesus talks about secures composure in the midst of trouble and dissolves fear. It's the peace that garrisons our hearts and minds against the invasion of anxiety. It rules our hearts. It arbitrates our hearts. It does this in the, in the people of God so that we can also maintain harmony with each other. This is ludicrous peace. This is nonsensical peace. I'm supposed to be at peace when everything around me is falling apart, when there's burnings, when there's shootings, when, the, when political rhetoric is at its worst and people are divisive and insulting and coming up with the latest meme to, <laughs> to, to be able to prove their point. But peace that surpasses all understanding is a supernatural God-caused peace. It does not depend on your circumstance or on mine. This peace that Jesus offers is how we cope with the reality of people who still don't want to receive that peace. We can pray patiently for them because in praying we shall receive peace. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses describes exactly this process. This is the last passage we'll be looking at today. Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. This is my mantra, if you will. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And in verse seven, it doesn't say, you'll get what you're praying for. It doesn't say that. What it says is, and the peace of God, that shalom peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a supernatural peace. It is not obtained by you trying to figure things out. It is not obtained by you looking at your current state of affairs with that person that hurt, abused you. It is not obtained that way. It is obtained in prayer by falling on your knees and praying yes for them. By praying for them, all of your requests present them to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. My favorite part of that verse, it still blows my mind, is which surpasses all understanding. It is my favorite part of that verse. What that means is that there is no reason in your head for there to be peace. It makes no sense that you're at peace. You shouldn't be at peace. You were hurt, abused. You can't pay debt. You're in a circumstance that 
by no means should you be considered to be in shalom, peace, where everything is in lack of conflict, where everything is okay. It makes no sense, but the supernatural peace of God surpasses understanding. It doesn't make sense, but you will receive it by falling on your knees. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, that person, that that circumstance, that abuse, that neglect, that hate, that insult, for everything you pray and supplica- with supplication, with thanksgiving, that means you thank God, even though you might not receive what you're praying for. You thank him, but you will receive one thing for sure. Peace. Peace of God. That you will receive for sure. That person may never repent of what they did to you. That situation may never be resolved, but you will be at peace, at shalom peace, the peace that Jesus gives, not as the world gives it, but a peace that just doesn't make sense. Seek that peace through the prayer, and yes, in praying for them. This is hard, and I know, and you don't have to do this process by yourself. If you are going through a situation or you've been through a situation, there's an old, uh, you know, abuse or something like that. I, I pray that's not the case, but unfortunately we live in a fallen world and there has been sexual abuse. There has been physical abuse. There has been all sorts of different horrific sins committed upon us. And what I want to tell you today is that God is saying he loves you, he is with you, and he wants to give you the peace that makes no sense. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And he wants you to pray for those that haven't come to terms with what they've done yet. He wants you to be part of his radical mission to save those that are unsavable. He wants you to be part of a mission that seeks the sinners, that seeks the neglected, that seeks uh, seeks those that no one would ever dare to forgive. He wants you to partner on that journey. And you're not alone. There's counseling. There's Christian centers of counseling here in Redlands, in San Bernardino. They're all over the place. We have, in fact, here in our midst, people who work in counseling, in Christian counseling. You are not by yourself. And God wants to give you this peace that surpasses understanding. So start the process Move towards healing. Move towards a place of forgiveness where you can pray for those people. Even as you struggle with the emotions, as Kesha did, that you would be able to pray for them, genuinely desiring that they would come to peace because you have received peace. We move from vertical reconciliation to horizontal reconciliation. Otherwise, horizontal reconciliation doesn't make sense. Otherwise, it just doesn't work But because we've been forgiven, we forgive. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.